Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very old friend, and I'm sure that you will uh, be amazed to learn from him. His name is Leo Botari, the founder and managing partner at Peer Innovation. Leo, welcome to the show. Mike, thanks so much for having me. It's great. I hope the old friend part speaks to the friendship and not my age, you know, but all good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Great way to, to start. So I know very well uh, everything that you are doing for CEOs, teams uh, across the world. I've had the pleasure to be working together with you uh, in Europe and in the US in several projects. But Our audience and our community would love to know more about who is Leo Botari and what is your footprint and where is your mind and your passion today. Good. Hey, you know, I spent most of my career in corporate communications. I had my own firm for about five years before I sold it. I also headed up some uh, operating divisions, PR operating divisions inside ad agencies and, and worked with some large multinational uh, agencies as well, which kind of nice, both in a, in a larger multinational company and in a, in a small firm. And I think that was all really great experience. But, um, you know, back in 2010, I actually accepted a position with Vistage and Vistage assembles and facilitates peer groups for CEOs and business leaders in about 20 countries around the world. And the reason I wanted to do that was I was at a point in my career where I really I connected with the work they were doing and felt that I could make a difference in terms of moving their brand down the field. And I led a, a brand refresh for them in 2012. And during that time, we'd be conducting focus groups all the time. We'd be asking CEOs and business leaders, you know, how do you get better? How do you learn? How do you make your organization better? How do you learn to scale? How do you learn to go to that next place um, and be ready for the next phase of growth in your organization? And It was remarkable to me that when we asked CEOs and business leaders this question, they would say, well, I read books, I hire consultants and coaches, I go to executive development programs. You know, um, Very few, if any, ever mentioned that they would consider joining a peer group or that that's part of their consideration set. And I thought, how could something that is so unbelievably powerful and effective for so many be used by so few? And so that was sparked writing the book, The Power of Peers. I worked with Leon Shapiro, who was the CEO of Vistage at the time. We did not want to write a hardcover brochure about Vistage. That was not the issue. We looked at all kinds of groups. We looked at YPO, EO, people who started their own groups, um, you know, all over the world and learned about what makes these uh, groups uh, tick. And so from that work, you know, I, I left Vistage, you know, after the book was published and doing a bunch of speaking there. But now, over the years, as I've been able to, you know, through my own podcast and my own research at about 130 or so workshops I've done in North America and the UK, you know, I continue, obviously, to learn a lot. And the biggest aha, I think, has been that these high-performing groups and what makes them so great can be applied to high-performing teams uh, inside organizations. And that's really what I'm focusing on right now, because I think it's incredibly powerful We need our teams now more than ever to be forming at a really high level. And, um, you know, it's exciting work. So, yes, that's what I'm passionate about right now is seeing what we can do to take these principles, to bring peer innovation, right, which is basically what happens when you get a group of people who share common values, purpose, but bring diverse perspectives to the table, actually are willing to create something larger than themselves. 
Got it. So our audience is global. There are some uh, CEOs and some leaders that might be more familiar with the terminology or with the term peer group uh, than others. So please kindly explain for a kid what means a peer group and how does it work in general? Sure. If you look at a, it's a, sometimes they're called peer groups, peer advisory groups, mastermind groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take for a CEO, for example. Um, you know, a CEO of a company might want to join a group of other CEOs. Now, they could be all from very different businesses, right? Uh, the point is what they share is that common challenge of making decisions for the entire organization. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they don't look at things just from a marketing or a legal or a finance or sales perspective. They've got to see the big picture and be around mm-hmm. other CEOs who face that same challenge, living within the same economy and all of that, but yet... Um, they also share practices that, you know, you could be a one kind of business and they do things a certain way. It would be unheard of in your industry, but you see that and you know what, that could really work for us and that could be really effective. So they learn from one another. And I think that's a big thing. They can help each other with their, um, either address their toughest challenges, uh, leverage their greatest opportunities. And they're kind of all in it for one another and they all learn an incredible amount from it. So, uh, it's a great uh, resource, I think, you know, in general, no matter what peer group you want to join, being part of one, I think, is pretty transformational. That's that's awesome. And uh, your last book, uh, Peer Innovation, uh, tell us a little bit more uh, about it and why we should all, uh, why I should reread it myself and why everyone in the show should should read it. So you have the, the, I'll say the benefit, for, for lack of a better word, but at least the opportunity um, to read the manuscript. Uh, right now, the book um, uh, is being prepared by the publisher for release uh, in the fall. So I'm really excited about that. So again, if you look at the power of peers, it was how and why peer groups work so well. If you look at my second book, What Anyone Can Do, it was taking the peer experience that we have outside of a formal setting and outside of it just being CEOs and just saying for people in general, who you surround yourself with matters. And if you surround yourself with the right people, they can help you do the things anyone can do far more often, you know, which is usually a real key to success. It isn't about superhuman strength. It's about people who are doing those little things, you know, every single day uh, to make them better. Uh, Again, peer innovation really takes, uh, a lot of the findings from the workshops that I've been conducting for just over four years now and bridges that gap between what um, we know really works well for high-performing teams and we, excuse me, groups, and what we know now is equally um, effective for high-performing teams. I've worked with a lot of cross-functional work teams and um, you know department-specific work teams and what it does is it provides a framework to have conversations that they don't typically have in the context of the workday that really bring them together, uh, you know, as a team. And it's, they've been incredibly effective and it's fun to watch team members have those conversations and connect with one another and look with one another in the eye and really make promises to each other about how they're going to show up personally and how they need to work together as a team to just be that much better. So it's it's a lot of fun, but but peer innovation really covers a lot of that. So that, um, and, and I think gives people the tools to even conduct their own 
facilitate their own peer innovation sessions uh, in their companies, which I think is important. That's, that's great. So we always discuss three critical ingredients to scale in the show. Number one is radical focus. Number two is world-class leadership team. And number three, uh, culture of execution. So let, let's jump number one and let's go straight to number two. So we all discuss a lot, a lot, a lot in the show, and I see it happening again and again and again, that we need to have the right uh, team for each stage of growth of the company. So what got me here, maybe will not get, get, get us there. So, and, and this can be very uh, challenging uh, as much successful we are. And, um, and that's part of, 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 of the ladder of success to keep uh, growing ourselves, to keep growing our team so we can keep growing our um, companies. And this is all about having the right people on, on the right seats for each stage um, of growth. Uh, but at the same time, if we make too many changes uh, in the team uh, in a, such a short amount of time, uh, as you know, we discussed here a lot of high growth companies, uh, the context of high growth companies, this can also hurt the morale um, of the team. So what are some of your tips uh, that you have been studying this again and again and again? And as you said, you are um, applying all the learnings with peer groups to, to do this with high performing teams and cross-functional Teams, which is also a problem of large global Fortune 500 companies uh, who needs to manage distributed teams, different nationalities, different offices, different interests, politics, etc. Um, so, what what are some of the of the tricks to to make to build a high performing team? Wow, love, love. I'm not sure it's a trick. You know, in some respects, <laughs> in some respects, it is. It is. You know, you know, this kind of goes a little bit to the first question, but. When we think about focus, right, um, we are often very focused on outcomes. We look at all these metrics, we look at stuff, and we're not as focused on the outputs. And the outputs are usually performed by teams, uh, by teams of people who are, you know, having to make a contribution to do something. Now, one of the uh, most frequent clients that I have and I work with, let's say you're a company that's a half a billion dollar company and you want to be a billion dollar company. Well, to your point, what we're doing right now, what got us here may not get us there. So it's a little bit of, um, uh, you know, and, and again, part of this is a framework. It's not a prescription. I don't walk in somewhere and tell someone what their team should look like. This is for them in many respects to determine. But I think it's important to have the conversation which says, look, this is a really great team. This is how far we've gotten. But what can tend to happen is, particularly with a cross-functional work team, is as they start to grow and as their areas start getting larger, they start getting more insulated. So they, they tend not to see the bigger picture. They get very siloed in their thinking and all of a sudden they're not as aware of this larger company, which is now a bigger organism, a bigger system than it used to be a year, two, three years ago. And with that, they need to help each other stay in tune to those things. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things when it comes to growth that you are an absolutely, when you're in kind of command of your area from the standpoint of if you're leading marketing sales or whatever. <clears throat> but when you come to that cross-functional work team meeting, you're not there representing marketing or representing sales. You're there representing the company with a lens on sales and on uh, marketing or on HR or what happened, what you happen to be looking at. 
so that we all have our company hats on. So when we're looking at growth, we're looking to make recommendations for where we spend money, where we add people, what are we doing? Everybody's on the same page with regard to what's best for the organization. You don't start sowing seeds of distrust where if everyone feels like they're just um, in in it for their self-interest, in in it for their department in every area, that can become really problematic. So I think the more that that we talk to one another, that we don't get too siloed in what we're doing, and that we're always thinking about what's best for the organization and how can we, uh, as our team, contributing to the larger company, uh, deliver on that. Make sure our people are connected to it as well. You know, that's what gets people excited and up every morning when they can feel connected to a purpose so that it isn't just, and this is an issue too sometimes where if someone is a half a billion dollar company and they want to become a billion, but from the employee perspective, all they see is, okay, they just want to hit a number. I don't know why we're doing this. Like, how are we making the world better by doubling our size? I don't understand that. So you've got to create that narrative. You've got to provide that reason uh, and why it matters that if you love what you do so much, if your product or service you think is so great, then you want to put it in the hands of more people. Why? Because this is how they'll benefit from it. And this is the difference you're making in the world. It isn't just about hitting the number, which can be really compelling you know, to the CFO or even the CEO sometimes. But for your workers who are like, so what are we doing here? You know, and how, how, how does this help? You know, so I, I think those kinds of things are really helpful. I, I agree. And uh, I like to say that we invest so much time on, on providing a bespoke vision to all our customers. And we, we invest so few time on providing a bespoke vision for our people that are the ones who are serving our customers. So, right. And, those are the two most important assets um, of a company. And if we don't take care of our people, if uh, we don't give them a reason uh, to be part of that journey and how it connects with their own personal vision and with, with the vision of the team, and it's difficult to wake up and do our, your best uh, job ever to provide a lot of value to, to our customers. So love that point. And let's go for the next ingredient, uh, which is the culture of um, execution. So at the end of the day, as you said, it's all about uh, small things, small habits, small rituals that make all the difference. And usually we are always looking for the kind of the shiny object. So the the project that will change the world from one day uh, to another. And this might be very tempting, but at the end of the day, routine sets you free. So having the right routines for each stage of growth is really, really um, important. And scaling up is, I like to say, boring, mundane, tedious, and especially for entrepreneurial minds who love to build, who love to start new things, saying no, 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 no to a lot of temptations and and staying on track. Uh, And that's why vision, mission, and values are so important that where the CEO needs to be repeating again and again and again and remembering why are we doing what we are doing? What is the most important for us? And what, where are we going? This, those are, as you said, very, very powerful questions to remember. So everyone is in the environment of working um, from home and some might be uh, a little bit uh, tired of that environment. We don't have the, the coffee machine conversations and those kind of informal uh, setups. So 
what are you observing and what do you recommend for, for leaders to help their teams to sustain their level of productivity? You know, I think one of the biggest surprise, at least for so many leaders that I've talked to, is how productive their teams have been. I mean, and some of it they can really measure very specifically, you know, up 15, 20% uh, productivity. Uh, this is not something they anticipated would happen when, when people who are uh, going to be working from home. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, when you come to a central workplace and you're there and you put, you know, everyone's there for work and you do your thing and you have your offices, that's one dynamic. But when you're in a situation like this, where you're on Zoom calls and you're inviting people into your home and there's a baby screaming in the background or there's a dog <laughs> jumping on your lap or this, you know, uh, you, you've got some painting in the background or something there that may reveal something about you and what's important to you and your life and your family. I think it is, it sets a level of kind of our shared humanity kind of comes into play. And we all just become that much more forgiving of one another and understanding and patient and um, recognizing that we're all going through, um, you know, as it was described uh, to me one time, we're not all in the same boat. We are actually all in very different boats, but we are all going through the same storm. You know, as I mentioned, nice. there are companies that are, you know, really struggling right now, and yet there are others that are thriving and others in between. So it uh, depends on what size boat you're in or whatever, whatever that may look like for you or how well equipped your boat is for the storm, um, you know, makes a big difference. But um, so when you consider, yes, on one hand, you've got employers and um, CEOs that are pleased with what their employees are showing them right now in terms of their commitment and their productivity and all that. I think many of the more savvy CEOs are also thinking to themselves, okay, this is great for the first eight weeks, the first 12 weeks. Sustaining this, I think, is going to be more of a challenge than we think. Mm -hmm. And so I, I actually uh, did an article on this fairly recently for CEO World that talked about five things that I think CEOs and business owners or entrepreneurs should be looking for. Um, one of them is burnout, you know, making sure that as people are, you know, just working so much from home and just um, driving at their desk or whatever, that they also are taking breaks and taking walks and doing the kinds of things mentally and physically that can kind of keep them in the game, you know, longer term. Um, the other is kind of obscurity. If we think about for someone who comes to work every day, just feeling like their hard work is being noticed when everyone's coming into the office is tough enough. But if you're home and you feel like no one's got a real window into what you're doing in any real way, it, it feels really like, okay, <laughs> I'm feeling really obscure. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm sitting there, right? Exactly. Um, the third one was uh, insulation. Um, and insulation kind of speaks to um, what I mentioned about uh, being siloed, right? So if I'm really insulated, I'm only focused on my little area and I'm not really feeling connected to the organization or to some of our larger goals or some of the things going on in our industry that I need to. So making sure uh, that people don't feel that. Uh, you certainly don't want them feeling isolated. You know, this speaks to the water cooler piece that you talked about where, you know, you may not be able to go to the water cooler, but you know what? You can schedule five minutes with your buddy or with somebody in another department or, or with your team. And you, you get on a Zoom call with a cup of coffee or you do something like that. And, you know, you, and people have been incredibly creative in figuring out ways to do things, right, virtually that Sorry. they are not able to do, obviously, when they're in the, um, 
in the same office. Um, you know, and finally, I think inspiration is something that CEOs should be thinking about. Um, this is how do we make sure that we celebrate? How do we make sure that people's small wins are recognized and that um, they feel that Again, you know, and this feeds some of the other things that we're talking about, right? You get a sense of what's going on in the whole organization. You, you feel as if you're being seen. Um, and I think it's a good time also for those CEOs um, who are watching their people do some pretty amazing work, who are also, by the way, you know, going through their own personal challenges and difficulties, everything from homeschooling their kids to taking care of elderly parents to whatever it may happen to be. And yet here they are being as productive as ever. And it may be some things where it's worthwhile to look at what are some of the attributes? What are some of the things that are coming forward that we may be able to adopt uh, in terms of something that adds to our culture or adds to our values? You know, you talked about, um, you know, vision, mission and values. And I always like to think of them in reverse because I think it's values drives everything. Values drives your mission. Value drives where you want to take that mission and what you want to look like in the future someday. And I think values wins the day. Um, it, they guide us from a strategic perspective. They do so much. Um, but people not only have to know what the values are, but they also have to know what behaviors are necessary to demonstrate and show those values each and every day. And I think when people do that and you keep that in the forefront, uh, not just through actions, but in real conversation that's dedicated around these things. Um, they are really, really important, and they will get you through tough times like this for sure. It's, it's, it's really tempting, uh, and going to the first critical ingredients, uh, radical focus, it's very tempting in war mode to quickly pivot the direction of the company or uh, trying to launch uh, new products, new services, new geographies, new strategic initiatives. So we need to have this kind of this fake sense of productivity that we are doing all it takes to navigate the storm. And, and sometimes the best thing that we can do, uh, I think that I'm, I'm quoting uh, Jack Ma, so when there is a storm, uh, don't go out of the house, stay inside the house until the storm passes. So when there is no storm, you go out and you start taking some risks because there is no storm outside. So we see a lot of uh, leaders getting out of the house and trying to win the storm alone. And some of them sending their leaders out of the house so they can face themselves, uh, the, the storm. So at the same time, it's, it's, it's difficult because uh, if you don't change something in a crisis, if you don't pivot your value position, to the new context, to what your customers need now, this can also be a problem. So where to find the sweet spot? I know this is a tricky question and a difficult one, uh, but what is what are you observing in, in your portfolio of clients and companies that you work with? I, I think many are following the advice you provided about staying in the house, okay? I think that, that <laughs> on, on many levels, right? There's is, is that whole, you know, uh, we, everybody's shelter in place right now, not just for themselves, but, but for their businesses. But also, I, I will say, and I saw some research from um, Jennifer Vessels and Executive Growth Alliance, which is a, you know, fairly uh, new uh, group that puts together peer groups from mid to mid-level executives in larger companies. And one of the things they noticed is when um, 
So they want to keep their, so let's say your business and you want to keep all your people on. They, they're not as productive, not because they can't be or, or, or wouldn't be, but they just don't have as much to do because of the market and all that. So what they're doing is they're taking the extra time that they may uh, otherwise be kind of going through their daily routines and teams are innovating and teams are thinking about the future because what they know is that the storm's going to end. But when the storm is over, now what do we do? You know, and what is that new normal going to look like? So I think dedicating some time in whatever ways you can to be thinking about how we kind of relaunch, how we, um, you know, move our company forward uh, once the storm is over can be really helpful. And spending some time thinking about what that might look like in terms of uh, products and services, I'm not sure is so bad if you could free up your people and give them the time uh, to do that. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a it's an important thing to be ready for, for sure. I saw it uh, at the end of the 2008 financial crisis, where those who didn't just deal with the storm, also, but also dealt with what's the world going to look like going forward and how can we best set up, they not only survived that crisis, but they thrived uh, in the following years. And I think we've got to look at those opportunities now as to, you know, we could all, you know, someone said to me, well, you know, I'm speaking, doing workshops and everything, and now I can't travel anymore. What does that look like? Well, I could sit and cry about that, but you know what? No one else can do it either. So we all have to figure it out. That's all. <laughs> you know I mean? It's just, you know, it's not like someone's changed, changed my leg to the desk here and everyone else can go out and do stuff and I'm stuck at, stuck at home. That's not the deal. That's right. Not. So you know, recognizing the world we live in and, and the, how things, um, you know, are changing even the competitive front, you know, it's just looking at, you know, and so much of it is just recognizing what are our strengths? What are our values? How do we double down on those things uh, during these periods? And, um, you know, it's just, it's just what we got to do. That's, that's really amazing. And um... <laughs> I was just thinking that um, also an, an opportunity came from a very large corporate that I can disclose on the show to do an internal podcast. And the goal of that internal podcast is really to invite their leaders to uh, kind of use peer learning and leverage peer learning, which means that uh, we record the podcast every single week with their leaders. So all the leaders in our organization, all, all the team can learn from each other. So every single week they have a new guest and it's one of their leaders that is sharing something new about the topic, how to build effective teams as we discussed it here, how to keep focus, mm -hmm. uh, how to keep emotionally in shape, uh, which is also uh, how to identify emotions, how to deal with different emotions, how to deal with anger, how to deal with sadness, how to deal with excitement, with enthusiasm. Uh, what is the playbook to, to deal with those emotions? Um, and how do we help others uh, deal with with those emotions and, and bring those those teams together? So that's great, great, great points. And we came to the last question of the show and uh, one of our favorites. Let's see if you pass the exam, uh, which is if you would have the opportunity uh, to join again your journey or to start again your journey, um, working with uh, peer groups and high-performing teams, um, so what advice would you offer to Leo Botari at that time? So this becomes easy. So when I left um, uh, William Cook Agency, I had ran their PR subsidiary for about four and a half, five years. 
and you know basically made an immature decision that you do at, at that age and was like, oh, the heck with that, I'm going to go leave and start my own firm. I had no huge desire to do that, but it was basically my only option uh, in that community. And and to be honest, what I did know how to do was grow the business. I could get business and get clients and actually created something that I, I was larger than that PR subsidiary within about 18 months. Okay. So that I could do. But as we all know, there's different stages of business out there. And, um, you know, we did okay. We could have done a lot better. So my advice to my younger self would have been to join a peer group of other business owners back then who could have guided me through the difference between that founder entrepreneurial stage and start moving through those other phases of growth that would have helped me immensely, I think. Um, and, you know, I ended up uh, selling the company and that was fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think if I had joined a peer group and built that business the way I could have, uh, I'm not sure that I would have kept it any longer necessarily, but I bet I would have sold it for a lot more. And uh, it's, um, you know, so yeah, I would do, I would have done that for sure because I think they're incredibly valuable. Got it. So you have your own uh, podcast, and I also had the pleasure to to join. Uh, could you give us some some references on how how do we join? What is the name of the podcast? Sure. Um, so the, the name of the podcast is Peer Innovation. Uh, as of this morning, we are now on iHeartMedia, uh, in addition to, you know, of course, Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify and every other platform you can kind of think of now. So we're all excited about that. And it's Peer Innovation, you know, the tagline on it is the power of we begins with you. And mm -hmm. I think it begins with all of us. It's about are reflecting on who we are, what we want, how can we bring our best self to be that great teammate and to be that contributor uh, to our organization that we know we can be. And we, we are actually featuring guests every single week. We're so excited with some of the guests we've had, you know, on the program. And of course, uh, you know, we're going to be having you back you know, you and Mary, we want both of you back uh, on our show because Thank you. You know, I think some of the challenges, uh, you know, for companies at different stages when it comes to uh, all of these things that we've been talking about today um, can be really different. So um, we would love for you to kind of inform our audience of a lot of those things too. So we'll be excited to do that. But, and you can go to peerinnovation.co and you can subscribe to the podcast there or again, you can find Peer Innovation um, podcast on any one of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. That's great. Leo, it was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for making the time uh, to share your wisdom with uh, our community. Thank you so much. I loved it. Appreciate it. So, and to our community, we keep bringing you the best of the best so you can thrive during wartime or peacetime, whatever it is, because you make your life you make your business thrive, you make your team thrive. So don't forget, as we discussed in the show, to keep loyal to your values, to your mission and to your vision, following the order that Leo Botari presented <laughs> us today. So see you soon and keep scaling. Mm -hmm.